At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach. From funding to finance, set up the staffing. Our CEO coaches break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup, management, and development. The founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome to CEO Coach. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. We have a wonderful guest with us today. Ann, tell us all about it. Oh, my goodness, Jillian. It's so good to be here, and I'm really, really excited because today we have Farah Bostic, who's the founder of The Difference Engine. Um, I met Farah at a wonderful conference in October called Bend Webcam, and I just want to give a little plug for it. It's kind of a... Davos of uh, technology up in our high desert here in Oregon, and it draws all sorts of really, really phenomenal um, strategic and critical thinkers in the business. And that's where I met Farah. Farah, welcome to CEO Coach. Great. Thanks for having me, Anne. Delighted to have you, Farah. Um, Farah, tell us a little about you, the company, and of course, about the Difference Engine. Yeah, so um, I, I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm actually from Oregon originally, so Bend Webcam was an excellent opportunity for me to come visit my mother. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, I, I've been working in the sort of marketing brand consultancy world for about 12 years now, maybe about 14 actually. Um, I came to New York in 2002 and started working more on the consulting and market research side of things and was a partner at Holland Partners, which is a brand and communications research Search consultancy, uh, worked at Digitas, worked at Shiat Day, worked at Mad Dogs and Englishmen, uh, worked at Wyden and Kendi for my very first job ever <laughs> at, in, in Portland. Um, and, uh, and so I've, I've seen different parts of this, but, but I've also worked in startups and I've consulted with startups. And so a lot of what I started to observe in what startups were doing was a kind of really innovative approach many times, not always, uh, to thinking about their marketing, thinking about growth, thinking about learning as part of what their organization is actually designed to do. And so I was inspired to transform from merely a, a freelancer, which is what I was uh, by about 2011, um, doing a variety of work in market research and, and brand digital and product strategy into a business. And so about two years ago, I founded a company called The Difference Engine. We are now 
two and a half people um, mm -hmm. at the time, and we're, we're based here in New York, and we continue to do many of the things that I was doing before, product strategy, design, research, consulting, but we do it with a kind of startup mentality. So things are as lightweight as possible, as iterative as possible, and really about kind of instilling a learning culture, both for how we do what we do and how we help our clients do what they do. Brilliant. The, the difference is really thinking differently about who you are and what you do from cons uh, consultancy, if you will, to a real corporation or a business. That's great. So, and tell us what you learned when you met Farah. Oh, well, there were just so many thoughts, but let's just start with the title of uh, your presentation at Bend Webcam was Growth Hacking for Startups. And that caught my ear immediately because the whole concept of growth hacking, um, I think, is, is often not very well understood. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what you mean by that and how it, how it applies to uh, what you do? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when I was encountering the term growth hacking, I, I think I had a similarly cynical response that a lot of others may have had of, it's just marketing, but startups don't want to say something as, as simple as marketing when growth hacking and pirates and ninjas are so much more interesting. So um, initially, that's what I, I kind of thought they meant. But as I started to dig deeper into what growth hackers are really doing, I started to realize that they, they were following a kind of make, test, learn cycle that has been popularized by the book The Lean Startup by Eric Ries and others um, into the marketing, uh, marketing sphere. And that really what they were doing was right-sized marketing for startups that was entirely about identifying the engine of growth and doing everything you can to maximize that engine. Can you uh, give us some examples of, of what would be engines for growth, say from some companies that you've uh, uh, worked with? Yeah, so you know we've we've worked with companies um, as as diverse as business to business, logistics businesses, um, pharmaceuticals, television networks. I, I think what we tend to notice is that a lot of the companies that we work with these days have, for better or worse, kind of multi-sided business models. They have lots of different kinds of customers and they have lots of different kinds of partners in providing whatever their product or service is. And so, as an example, for instance, in the television business, you have affiliate sales, you have ad sales, you have sponsorship and partnership, and you have your viewers. And all of those different constituencies and all of those different pathways are generating revenue or generating the means for revenue. Um, obviously, the more viewers you have, the more you can charge for ad sales, the more your affiliates are going to want your, your channel. All of those things start to, to, start to kind of compound on one another. And so you have to then look at well, what then is our engine of growth? Is it really about getting more viewers? Is it about getting more channels to carry us or more, more, more cable providers to carry us? Where are we going to see the growth come from? We've also seen it in other more kind of consumer-directed um, categories like smartphones, where you know, late entrants into the category were fighting for scraps of people that they thought might maybe stop using an iPhone or stop using their, their Samsung Galaxy phone or something like that except that we knew that they're just not doing that. And so instead, what we started to look for was, where is the sort of blue sky opportunity here? Who are the people who have not yet purchased smartphones? And how do we start talking to them and getting our products in front of them? And so in, in some of those projects, it has been, for instance, um, moms, it's been African-Americans and Hispanics, it's been particular, you know, uh, more rural markets where people aren't necessarily aware of their bandwidth, even though they have it. Um, and so we've, we've sort of started to find the opportunity spaces where the product and the market 
both have something to offer one another. And, and that's where you hear startups a lot talking about product market fit. Um, and, and that's something that growth hacking and traction is really all about. Awesome. So it, 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 we need to move away from fighting for scraps and look for our blue sky opportunities. But what I'm really interested in what you said is, is uh, where the product and market have something to offer each other. And this reminds me so much, Jillian, of, of guests we've had in the past who talk about, uh, well, like uh, Jay Baer talks about utility marketing um, and, and things like that. You know, where, And this reminds me, Farah, of other speakers we've had on this show. Jillian, you remember Jay Baer who was talking about utility marketing? And yes. I think it's on the same track of uh, what Farah is saying about what how when product intersects with market or when it uh, what they can give each other but Farah can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah I, I think that there is a, a pretty typical trap that marketers and product developers fall into in, in the same way and it's it's something we talked about at uh, at webcam is the product trap it's very much sort of field of dreams if we build it they will come and and there's a lot of people talking about how it's more important to make things people want than it is to make people want things. And, and while I think that's true in terms of creating things of value as opposed to you know conning people into buying stuff, um, I think building something people want isn't necessarily enough on its own. But, but part of that is, I think, an evolution of what we think of now as positioning. And, and I think before it was the position that this brand or this product had in the marketplace as against its competitors, the position that it held in consumers' minds. Um, you know, when we were at Holland Partners, we talked a lot about persuasion, the brand does more, involvement, the brand means more, and salience, the brand stands out more. That's all great. But now it's actually about how accessible is the brand? How easy is it for me to get it into my hands, to use what it, what it is for that usage of it to create value in, in my life? So I totally agree, Farah. I think it really is about uh, lowering the barriers to entry to engagement with your brand or your product, and many people don't see that as well. They're so deep into the building of whatever they build that they figure everybody else can figure out how to use it too, or don't worry, we'll just teach them. But then you're back to kind of trading time for dollars instead of making money in your sleep, right? They can't pick it up and do it themselves. Um, I would say perhaps there's one more, um, Farah, and that's about what we would call ripping the Band-Aid off. What is the pain point to removing what you used to have as well as putting in place what you do have. And I do think that a lot of companies forget that little piece because after all, it's terribly easy to use whatever we've just created and you can learn it all by yourself in a minute and a half and it will save you hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars and it goes on and on and maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if you already have legacy things in place and you know that, well, if your clients have legacy things in place and you don't look at that issue, then you don't get a full picture of what that ripping of the Band-Aid is going to feel like. Exactly. I think one of the, the more interesting things I, I came across as I was starting to think about transforming my business into a proper business as opposed to just me as a freelancer was a, a book called The Four Steps to the Epiphany by Steve Blank. And one of the things that he talked about is and I think marketers often fall into this trap of, well, we've identified a pain point. It's really, you know, busy moms on the go. Everything's sort of overwhelming. And it's like, well, but it's not really that overwhelming. Figuring out the weekly grocery shop is a hassle, but it's not overwhelming. And, and I think sometimes we, as marketers, fall into the trap of overstating the case on how painful the pain point is. And really, That's it's true. About, you know, investigating 
is, is my current solution really so bad? Am I willing to give it up in favor of something else? And that's where that ripping off the band-aid thing is a very interesting challenge and one that startups have to deal with as well. They're frequently trying to automate something that people are kind of happy to do by hand. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, yes, overestimating the pain point for the potential customer and underestimating um, the difficulty of changing what you do today versus what you're going to do tomorrow, whether it's the consumer like mummies or whether it's major corporations who have legacy software or legacy processes in which your solution might be wonderful, but plugging it into the legacy system, that's really, really tough. So totally agree on that one. Fascinating um, process. Yeah. We need to take a break now. Um, this has been fascinating to talk about uh, uh, how you get past the uh, whole idea of the product track and ripping off the Band-Aid. Um, we're going to take a short break with some messages from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Farrah Bostic. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm. And welcome back. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy at CEO Coach. We're talking today with Farah Bostic, who is working with the Difference Engine. We talked a little bit about um, determining what it is that your product really can do, how you reach the customers, uh, the pain points around your customer, not overstating those things, understanding the difficulty of perhaps plugging into legacy systems if you're making software and uh, more processes and going into major corporations. So, Farah, let's dive a little deeper 
deeper into this uh, core message that you talked about at uh, the Bend, Oregon webcam. Um, the growth hacking, certainly how it applies to marketing, and maybe something about this iterative, inventive process. I mean, some somehow the beginning with that lean concept we understand: make, test, learn. How does this come to play in your company? I think a lot of it for us is that. You know, we we root everything in, and we talk about ourselves as being an insight-driven product strategy company. And, and insight-driven pretty much means we need to talk to your customers. And the the I think one of the things we like to do is to separate out because frequently they are slightly different types of people. Your end user from the person who pays for it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. frequently, um, you know, the person who signs the contract for the shipping and logistics service isn't the person who uses it every day. And you need to understand both of those groups and what they're looking for in terms of a value proposition, what problems they're trying to solve, what jobs they're essentially hiring that business or, or that service to do in order to understand where the opportunities for improvement or innovation or value proposition articulation otherwise known as growth hacking or marketing, um, come into play. And so, so, yeah. so when you talk to customers, uh, let's open the kimono here. It's not really talking, it's questioning. What are, say, one or two samples of questions that you must ask customers that provide that kind of deep insight? I mean, why do you use the product? Sure. But share something with us that says, oh, I never thought to ask that question. I think it's, it actually is more about getting them to just start talking. I frequently tell people when we, when we do trainings on how to do uh, continuous customer interaction that silence is your friend, that letting people just sort of talk is, is a good thing. And so one of the first things we ask people to do is to describe for us kind of the nature of the problem. And then ask them how they're going about solving it now. So what's, what are they doing to, uh, you know, to deal with you know, managing multiple calendars in a household or to, uh, to, dis- to find out more about classical music, if, if that's the thing that they're interested in? Um, and and they start talking about or to find an apartment um, in, in their town. Any of those things are things that they can talk about as being you know, frustrating, confusing, you know, they can give you all of that great emotional language, but they'll also tell you about the tools they use now in order to solve that problem. And the ways that they have kind of tweaked Craigslist or podcast services or iTunes or, or whatever it is that they're using in order to, or, you know, Google Calendar in order to make, you know, make that process easier for themselves. And once they start talking about those hacks that they've come up with on their own, that's when we really start seeing the opportunity spaces. And frankly, it's also where we start seeing that, you know, they're describing this as a pretty onerous problem, but it's not that big of a deal, certainly not one that they're willing to spend money to solve. And in that sense, you know, there's not much of a product market fit. So I think uh, kind of that takeaway is when you uh, ask these open-ended questions and you let your customers talk or potential customers talk, what you're really looking for is to get past the emotional words, which sometimes can be, if you will, over-the-top words, but not real, right? You have to get to the tactical stuff. What are they actually doing to solve it today? Is that really that much of a different hack than the one you're about to give them? Right. And I think, you know, people tend to go in one of two directions, either they overstate the case or they understate it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so people will say to you as, you know, my, my grandfather used to tell a story when he was in the, uh, the air, uh, the army air guard where, you know, he was near death in a plane and he says, yes, it was quite unsettling. 
And and sometimes mm-hmm. consumers describe something as inconvenient when they really mean they are in tears in their car wanting to abandon their vehicle on the side of the road because they can't figure out how to get out of traffic. That, right. So knowing your right, knowing who's speaking is hugely important. Again, you know, this British stiff upper lip or perhaps um the golden agers in general across the planet that stiff upper lip. Right? This is the the difference in how we look at things. Certainly millennials will use over-the-top language where folks who are, say, 70 or 80 would say, well, a man came and stood on a soapbox and said we were needed, so we went to do that. And what was it you did? Well, we flew airplanes and dropped bombs. Right, right. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. right, you went to save the world from tyranny. Right. right. Because somebody came on a train, stood on a soapbox and told you you were needed. Okay, got it. Uh, you know, whereas a millennial will go, oh, my God, I was sitting at the traffic light and I couldn't figure out whether to turn left or right because my bloody GPS wasn't working. It's like, yeah, right. right. <laughs> okay. So I think those would be very clear uh, definitions of what we're talking about. Yeah. So listening to both of you speak, I'm I'm thinking we're talking a lot about uh, products and where the products in the market, um, what they can do for each other, as you were saying in the last segment. Can we move this discussion a little bit over to what marketing needs to learn from this whole concept that you're discussing? So when I was looking at this space of startup culture and, and the ideas that they were reckoning with about how to be more of a learning culture and, and more experimental to be able to reduce their their risk of failure over time, it occurred to me that the kinds of challenges that they were facing uh, in terms of articulating articulating value propositions, identifying customer segments, figuring out distribution methods, and, and then encountering reality and being able to adjust quickly were problems that I faced as well working in advertising agencies, digital agencies, uh, market research consultancies. And it occurred to me that many of the principles that these startups were following, we could follow as well. And so I think one of the first things for marketers is to kind of throw out some of their preconceived notions about how marketing works and start to become a bit more evidence-driven. There's a lot that we do, and I frequently use, you know, Don Draper as the avatar for all that we assume to be true about marketing, which is that some, you know, lone creative genius is going to come up with a brilliant idea, and that's going to solve all of the problems. And um, and that just isn't necessarily always the case. For one thing, we can't rely on a creative director to hit a hole-in-one every time. Um, for another, there are just truths about how customer behavior works, how, how consumer behavior works, that our marketing doesn't either leverage or serve. And so one of the things is we assume that behavior is the same all the time. We assume that our customers are different from our competitors. We assume that uh, you know, the lower our market share, the more kind of engagement and, and sort of niche commitment we have from the customers that we have. And a lot of those things are just exactly the opposite. Um, your customers are pretty much the same as your competitors. The lower your market share, the less loyal your customers are. Loyalty is mostly habit. The category, you and the rest of the brands in it are mostly indistinguishable. And, you know, that people are knowing and talking about you means that they use you. Uh, if they don't talk about you, they don't use you. It's, these, are, these are some things that are pretty hard for marketers to accept, I think, because uh, we like to think that our great storytelling and brilliant creative really move the needle on sales. But I think one of the things that struck me in looking at the startup landscape was that, again, going back to that kind of, you know, if they build it, if we build it, they will come ethos, is that the number one cause of failure for startups is not actually the product. It's not that the product's bad. It's that there's a distribution problem. And the distribution problem comes into play in a few different ways. You've built something people want. 
but there's no real substantial market for it. People want it, but they won't pay for it. Or the market's too small, or the market's too hard to reach, or the market's too competitive. Everyone, you know, everyone's already kind of picked their side in that particular place, and then their habits and loyalty or habit as loyalty starts to take root. And I think one of the stories I, I told in Bend was about uh, uh, <laughs> an ex-boyfriend of mine who was in a band in the uh, mid-90s, just as we were going from, you know, hair rock bands into grunge. And uh, they were they were signed by Jimmy Iovine's uh, Interscope Records, second band that they ever signed. And they had a terrific album. They got a great contract. Uh, they had a tour position as the opener for the Moody Blues. They, they were doing all kinds of great stuff, but their sales tanked. And it's not even, that's not even accurate to say that their sales tanked suggested that they had any sales to begin with. They didn't have a distribution. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, good. Carry on. Carry on. CDs, <laughs> Not because people didn't like the band or the music or because they hadn't heard about the band or the music, but because the last mile of the distribution mechanism for a band in 1994 was selling CDs at a record store, was going into Tower Records and being able to buy this album. And even though Jimmy Iovine had done a brilliant job of getting them a good publishing deal, a good recording contract, all of that stuff, he hadn't locked up the distribution deal. And so it doesn't matter that the product was great. And it didn't even matter that they'd found their, their listeners, they'd found their audience. If they couldn't connect the product, get the product into their customers' hands, then that's the end of that. That's the, that's the ballgame. So they totally had to agree. Re- reduce the barriers to uh, the product reaching the market. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think in this day and age, there are a lot of things that are both, you know, the actual product our clients sell, and then there are the kind of branded experiences, what, what I've heard Cindy Gallup and others call, you know, marketing products that we make in order to get people, in, in, you know, curious about and engaged with the brand and its products. And each one of those things have their own distribution you know, challenges. And in thinking about what those distribution channels are, they might be things like retail, they might be things like shipping, they might be things like online e-commerce and transactional capability, they might be being on a Facebook page and buying advertising. There's a million things that are about how do I get this experience or this product in front of people. It's often the last thing we think about, or it's completely divorced from the product development or the creative development process. Brilliant. I think the killer question is, ask this, how will our customers buy it? Yes. And make that really, really easy to, to, you know, to get that answer right. Once you have that answer, it better be a simple one. All right. We're going to take a break here at CEO Coach. So we come back, Anne and I will be continuing to talk with Farah about the distribution channels and this killer piece, the reasons the company fails. And Farah says the number one failure is the distribution system. We'll be back talking more with Farah. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. InternetMarketingINC.com is one of the fastest-growing full-service digital marketing agencies in the country, specializing in providing results-driven online marketing solutions. Internet Marketing Inc.'s passionate team prides themselves on staying ahead of marketing trends to create and implement campaigns that get more traffic to your website, gain positive brand awareness, and drive conversions. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. 
Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. As we wrap up here today uh, with Farah of the um, distribution, or the difference engine, we're talking about the distribution channels. And Farah, tell us what would be your top three tips here just in these last few moments for founders to start thinking about this question? Of course, we have the critical question, which is how will our customers buy this stuff? But how shall they think a little deeper about the issue? And perhaps how shall they call you to help them think about that? So I I think there's um, a, a couple of things. One is really kind of getting your head around what your path to growth is. And and we tend to talk about that as being in kind of three phases. There's the attain phase, which is about making something people want, finding that, finding that value proposition, a sustain section of that process, which is really about finding and fine tuning product market fit. And then finally a gain, a a gain section, which is really about scaling your, your audience or your, your customer base. And that fundamentally is about getting the product into people's hands. And so that's the first part, making sure you kind of have a a roadmap, a good hypothesis about how you think you're going to go from, from attain to, to gain. And so the, the thing that we really think is, is important is that Ideas for distribution and ideas for product, you know, the, the feature and the, the feature set, the product roadmap and the marketing roadmap should kind of be developed simultaneously and should not be siloed in organizations as much as is humanly possible. Um, a lot of big companies obviously separate out product and sales and marketing. We think that's often where the whole thing starts to fall apart. <laughs> um, and, and the real reason for integrating them is because this growth hacking, this, this marketing effort is about how to get customers and product is how we keep them. And so we really have to focus on, in both of those, those core competencies on creating value. And I think that the, the third part of this then is once we've kind of figured out what, what is the way that we both through our distribution and marketing channels, as well as through our, our product development process, are constantly focused on value creation for these customers we've identified uh, the, ne- the next part is holding ourselves accountable to that to those hypotheses. I think one of the most important lines, if you read nothing else of the Lean Startup, the most important I- idea I think that Eric Ries articulates there is the importance of having a vision that is big enough to matter, that the whole team can get behind, and that when you go and encounter reality with that idea, 
that you find out which parts of it are true and which are not, and you have to change. And so in order to do that, we think it's really important to actually be kind of, you know, we, we talk a lot in marketing about thinking about the, you know, having the end in mind. For us, we think about the end as really being about this learning cycle, and the learning cycle is fueled by measurement. And so we do a lot of work with our clients to identify kind of at the idea phase what would be the indicators of success or failure of any of the tactics that we're employed in? And so we'd spend a lot of time helping them identify a few core KPIs, a few core performance indicators that make it possible for them to, uh, for them to actually find out if the, the things that they're trying, the experiments that they're running are working. I think that that moves us well away from the, those old vanity metrics that are so common. I totally agree. I think that the major wrap-up is that attaining is building something good. Sustaining is perhaps serving those customers well, and then gaining is scaling. Would that be a good definition of each of those? Yes, absolutely. That, that's exactly Excellent. All right. So as we wrap up here at CEO Coach, keep those things in mind. The uh, attaining, which is building, sustaining, which is serving those customers well, and then finally, the scaling, which would be gaining. Um, as we wrap here, Farah, can you tell me how will people get in touch with you if they want to discuss this concept further and, of course, apply it to their own startup and become more successful? Yes, of course. You can uh, get in touch with us a couple of ways. You can either visit our website at thedifferenceengine.co or you can follow us on Twitter. It's differenceengn. Uh, unfortunately, the difference engine is too long for the Twitter handle, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so you can you can get in touch with us either of those two ways. Uh, it's very easy to email us through the site or to get in touch over over Twitter. Excellent. So again, your email address, Farah, is Farah F A R R A H at thedifferenceengine.co. Excellent at the differenceengine.co, not .com, everybody. Okay, you can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, through iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and so many places around the web. We hope you'll stop by at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash CEO Coach Podcast. Again, facebook.com slash CEO Coach Podcast. We hope you'll pop your questions in, put in some comments about the shows that you have read. Just hit something like a like button so we know you're there. Or perhaps let us know what you'd like to have us cover on future shows here at CEO Coach. Until next week, this is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy and our guest today. Thank you so much for being with us, Farah, from The Difference Engine. We'll be back. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, 
we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.